I'm your host, Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns, and you're listening to Rad Child Podcast. Hey folks, before we get started this week, just a quick content warning that there is some mention of eating disorders in this episode. So if that's not something that you want to hear about, you can just check the show notes for those timestamps. All right, enjoy the show. All right. So this week we're talking about body positivity. Um, and uh, without further ado, I will introduce, let my guests introduce themselves rather. Uh, hello. Uh, so I'm Zach Shea, uh, singular they for the pronouns. I'm originally from the Northeast er- area of America and I'm currently located out of Ireland. And uh, I am the father to now three kids, a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and a uh, 12-day-old. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. (laughs) Hi, I'm Kaylee. Uh, My pronouns are she, her. I'm from Toronto in Canada. And uh, my relationship with kids is, first most, I'm a mother of a two-year-old. Uh, I'm also a supervised practice clinical psychologist, so I work with teens um, who struggle with various body image issues or eating issues. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you both for sharing. And so since we're talking about body positivity, I'm curious what your sort of, you talked a little bit about that, Kaylee, but what your sort of um, relationship with the topic of body positivity is. So my relationship with body positivity as pretty broad. Uh, I used to be um, very involved in activism and specifically uh, intra-community support. So um, running support groups and reaching out to people and helping them find resources and all of that. Uh, and that was mostly in the transgender community. And um, of course, there's so many body image and like kind of self-identification with your body and all of that for Mm -hmm. trans folk. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also something that I've dealt with myself as uh, an openly transgender person going through pregnancy and um, just growing up in this world and now as a parent as well. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's it's similar. Um, I, I identify as disabled. I have a physical disability. I use a power wheelchair. Um, and I think that just growing up feeling very different from a lot of my peers has sort of brought me to um, the world of activism as well as even like therapy and working mm. with people who also feel very much marginalized or different in various ways or who don't have a good relationship with their body and don't have a good relationship in society with their body. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I've struggled myself with kind of identifying how to feel good about myself when other people don't seem to, um, want to celebrate my body. Mm. Uh, and now as a parent, I'm particularly interested in how do I foster that, healthy relationship with your body in a society that doesn't value all bodies the same. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so important. And that's one of the things I'm a big, big children's book fan. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I use them, I work with, uh, mostly younger kids as a nanny because right as the older you get, the less you need a nanny because you're probably in school or things like that as a full-time nanny. And so right now I'm working with two 20 month old twins and, um, I think it's so important, right? Representation, of different kinds of bodies, even especially from a young, young age and books and in, right, because we're not, unfortunately, um, uh, there isn't a whole lot of media with good representation of bodies. And so I feel like from the very beginning, uh, just trying to get get all that good representation in there. Fortunate, fortunately, we're getting, there's, you know, a little bit more um, happening now, um, but it's still kind of few and far between depending on what we're talking about. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, so on the on this podcast, we talk a lot about uh, sort of questions or I, topics that might be sort of uh, traditionally tricky to talk to kids about. Um, and so I'm curious if there's ever been a time where a child asked asked you a question that you weren't prepared to answer could be related to this topic or other topics. Um, but I'm just I'm just curious if that's ever happened. Uh, so this actually happened. Somewhat recently, uh, our eldest is seven and at three years old uh, said that um, being called a boy makes them sad and uh, came out like very consistently expressed a gender fluid identity, like sometimes being a boy, sometimes Mm -hmm. being a girl, sometimes being a boy girl. And so, of course, uh, kids, they go through different stages of development And now at seven, uh, kiddo is becoming a lot more aware of how other people see gender and all that. And unfortunately, we live in a very small town in a very small country. Mm. So for obvious reasons, our child feels like literally the only kid on the planet who experiences things that way. Uh, So a few, like about a month ago now... Uh, they came up to me and said, basically, why didn't you tell me that I'm a boy because I have a penis? You know, like, why did you let me believe that I was something else? Mm. Yeah. That's so hard. Uh, God, it was. And it's something that really, at the time, just threw me for the for a loop. And you're not entirely sure how to respond to it. Um. Gender's been kind of an ongoing conversation in the house for obvious reasons. And yeah. uh, it seems like since then, kiddo has kind of come into a place of back to that place of self-acceptance while acknowledging that most people don't understand it. But it is definitely still a struggle. Yeah, it's really hard. We were in a previous episode, we were having a conversation also about when you have to sort of make... Mm decisions about how you're going to present in the world based on where you are Mm -hmm. and you know that unfortunate um reality of like do I want to do the work today Mm -hmm. of educating people about this or do I just want to you know present Mm -hmm. in a way that you know I'm also I'm also trans so I think about (laughs) this a lot too as a as a feminine uh presenting Mm -hmm. uh and a gender non-conforming male Mm -hmm. um I think about this a lot too. Like, do I want to wear my like flower crop top outside today and deal with like people who Mm -hmm, might say things mm -hmm. or do I just want to, you know, Mm -hmm. wear something that's a little more, you know, traditionally masculine and not deal with educating Mm -hmm, people. mm -hmm. (laughs) Cause it's a lot of emotional energy. It is. It's it's so much. um, Yeah. 
So I can totally, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. For me, um, as a visibly disabled woman, I often get children uh, asking questions <laughs> just about how do you function? Mm-hmm. How do you go to sleep? How do you pee? How do you get That's on the bus? That's not the first time that question has come up on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right. Um, and to me, that really speaks to like the representation of disabled people. And yeah. Just, like for a lot of kids, I could be the, like their very first mm-hmm. person with a disability they've ever spoken to. Um, so I try to keep that in mind, even when I'm feeling like I just want to exist today and not have to justify my appearance, <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I know that they're just trying to figure things out. Um, it's interesting now seeing the contrast with my daughter because she grows up with disability around her all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my friends are disabled. Uh, my husband has an invisible disability. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just not an issue for her. And she's just like, oh, these people use wheelchairs and these people don't. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what an amazing perspective on the world. Mm-hmm, to be able to mm-hmm. like, you know, I think it's a lot of, um, you know, for folks who aren't, who are in kind of homogenous communities or just aren't surrounded by a lot of differences, um, you know, for kids, it can be, that's why, you know, that kind of representation is so important mm-hmm. um, in media and in different things, because if you're not in a community where you're seeing people who are different than you in various ways, you know, it's hard to just remember like, oh yeah, some people are this and some people are that. Um, so I think that's what an amazing opportunity for your child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's funny though, that you mentioned the going to the bathroom thing, because there was another wheelchair user on the podcast who that was their answer to this question. They were a teacher and one of their students was like, how do you pee? And they were like, I, I don't know, like you, I guess. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But that's one of the things I love about kids is how just like honest they are and how exactly. they're just like, you know, they don't have that kind of correctness of adults where we feel like we have to kind of beat around they're just like I want to know this question I'm gonna ask it (laughs) no filters nope not at (laughs) all (laughs) um so talking obviously we're talking uh, about body positivity today so I'm curious what what that term means to you and if do you like that term is there another term you'd like better Oh, that's a good question. I like it's one of those terms where there's a movement around it. So uh, I kind of have stopped even thinking about what the term means on a personal level. Mm. Um, uh, For me personally, I've had such a mixed relationship with my body and I've spent over a decade now on the fence about whether or not to do testosterone. I've gotten top surgery and I also have fibromyalgia, which it took way too long mm. to get diagnosed with. So always yes, with, fibro, I know. It's like yes. that. So there, there were so, so, so many years where I was just like in pain, didn't know why. And all the doctors were just like, Oh, it's in your head. You're making it up. <laughs> so I've had yep. a very mixed relationship with my body. And for me, I think a lot of the body positivity is, um, especially for people where there are those struggles and and those struggles can look like so many different things for different people. It's kind of about making peace with your body. And because we don't have a huge amount of choice, like there are things we can change about our bodies, but ultimately we can't get a different one, (laughs) you know, like this is it. (laughs) 
and just coming to a place where uh, our body is no longer having a negative impact on our daily life where we can exist in a positive way. Yeah, I like that idea of making peace with as opposed to like mm-hmm. loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are two very different things. And I think we're going to talk yeah. about this a little more in a minute, but that idea that like, you gotta <laughs> love your body. Just like, oh, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Today, my body sucks. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. I think it's okay sometimes to be like, I don't know. I don't, I don't like anyone telling me what to do like that. (laughs) Um, Just being like, you must love your body. And I'm like, well, maybe today I don't love my body or there are things about my body I like and don't, and like, I like the idea of making peace Mm -hmm. with it as opposed to you have to love Mm -hmm. it. I like that terminology. Yeah. Same, same with me. I um, have a mixed relationship with the term body positivity, especially because it seems to have been co-opted by um, a very different movement than what it means for me Mm. um you know i I don't see myself often represented in um traditional body positivity Mm. uh, movements you know where people are traditionally quite good quote normal looking and um they're just trying to like love their body a bit more um Mm. and I never really saw myself represented in that movement. Um, What it means to me is sort of like, how do you come to terms with this is your body and understand like that there's forces in society that's telling you not to love your body. Yeah. And then how do you put all that together and kind of like come to a place of respect for your body or, um, at least not hating it, actively hating it, right? Like <laughs> yeah. um, causing harm, you know? Yeah, for sure. And uh, for therapy, I often do that with clients where it's like, okay, like it, it's not realistic for you to love your body. And for a lot of people, like they just wouldn't even want to try to do that. Um, so then it's like, how can we get you to a place where, you're not actively harming your body or where you're taking care of yourself as best you can um, while respecting your feelings that, yeah, you don't have to love your body every day. And as someone with chronic pain, I can certainly relate to that. Like (laughs) sometimes my body is very much failing me and I'm, I'm pissed off at it. And it's just like, okay, how can I make it through today and, and make it so that I can, yeah, be at peace. I do like that term as well. That's, I also have an invisible disability. I have several. And um, so I can relate to that (laughs) as well. It's just like, sometimes just got to be like, okay, what is my body doing today? And I might not like it, but got to be at peace. That's my new, I love that. I'm adopting that. Be at peace with it. Good. (laughs) Um, It's it's funny though, when you were saying like not feeling represented um, in that, you know, traditional idea of like body positivity. When I think of body positivity, the like image, I'm a very visual person. And the image that comes into my mind is like a magazine spread, Mm -hmm. a bunch of different girls Mm -hmm. who are like slightly different, but all still like, even like the curvy (laughs) one is like, you know, still hourglass shaped. And, um, you know, some of them are tall and some of them are short, but it's like, we're not seeing, you know. No flab, no stretch marks. No, right. no, we're not. It's seeing kind those of like uh, the Barbie. My yes. my daughter just got that. Uh, it's it's still a Barbie, <laughs> but it's a little bit more yes. thick. 
yeah. <laughs> that's I know that's about the best. It you know Barbie is getting better with other things. Yeah, like they have they just released a line where they have like uh, one that has vertigo and one that has um, uh, prosthesis and thing. And you know there's they, and they've had. I mean I even as a child I had a Barbie who was in a wheelchair. It's actually kind of funny because mm-hmm. I had a Barbie that came in a wheelchair and she you know, had two legs because many people who are in wheelchairs have two legs, <laughs> but I had a Barbie who had lost a leg and I used to say she needs it more. And I used to put her in there. <laughs> I like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was a little Dorothy from the wizard Aww. of Oz and her leg just always popped off and eventually just never <laughs> resurfaced. <laughs> oh my, my daughter gosh. has a, a, a wheelchair Barbie as well. And Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, we'll catch her playing by herself, and she takes Barbie out, and then she puts her back in and goes, it's wheelchair time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely can understand. And I'm thinking also about, um, you know, like tra- trans, <laughs> I mean, trans representation in everything is always an issue, but like, right, I'm never seeing myself mm-hmm. represented in that no. as a trans person or as yeah. a masculine person, right? Um, and yeah, so I think I think there's a lot to be said for um, it's like saying body positivity is it's it's kind of a double edged sword where like it's nice because people know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to other terms like they're you know it's like uh, well and and it sort of depends on what kind of body positivity you're talking mm-hmm. about because mm-hmm. there are terms like fat, fat liberation and body liberation and all these kinds of different things, but they're not as mainstream. Um, and so I think it becomes uh, tricky. It's almost sort of a similar reason. So like I, uh, on a different, you know, in, in a different direction, I identify as bisexual. Um, but my tr- my definition of bisexual is kind of closer to what a lot of people would define as pansexual. But I don't want to explain to everybody what pansexual is. It's just like too much work. Mm-hmm. So I identify as bisexual. And I feel like I feel similarly with body positivity where like when I say that word, people have an idea of what that means. Um and so it's kind of easier to use that as yeah. opposed to some other terms that are out there that aren't as, as widespread exactly. yet. And so sometimes too, with the teens I work with, like they haven't heard of the fat acceptance movement and, and mm-hmm. they sort of reject that as like, no, that's a term that's used to put me down at school. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to use that term. Yeah. And also like not everybody is, uh, you know, okay with the word fat. Yeah. Um, some people love that word and have reclaimed that word. And some people, you know, or like that word has been used against me. I don't, it's very similar. Again, I'm going to relate everything to my queerness because that's just where I'm at. But it's, it reminds me of the word queer where a lot of younger people have reclaimed it. Whereas older people are like, that was a slur that was used against me. I don't, you know, want to be anywhere near that word. Mm -hmm. Um, and even, you know, obviously in different parts mm-hmm, of the world, mm-hmm. that's still used as a slur yeah. today. I'm thinking I'm, you know, I'm in Canada and come from living in the United States where now it's more of a word that's being mm-hmm. proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel similar. It's similarly about the word fat, but also, um, you know, obviously not all of when we're talking about the scope of body positivity, it's also not always about size necessarily as mm-hmm. well. Um, we're talking about a lot of, a lot of different things. Like we were talking about disability and, you know, other aspects of that as well. Um, so we talked a little bit about this, but I'm curious if you think the idea of like the, the idea of loving your body is helpful, harmful somewhere in between. Right. And yeah, it, as we already talked about a bit, like if you can do it, that's fantastic. That's great for you. Like I, I can kind of see it being like a kind of a goal that's had in the background, um, 
which is something that you'll kind of see sometimes um, uh, with things like therapy where like the, there is ultimately this one goal of ideally we'll get there, but today we're nowhere near that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. trying to push too hard to love your body, um, it's if it's just too great of a leap from where someone is, they're never going to get there and it'll just turn into even more self-loathing. Uh, I also, um, sometimes when people say love your body, they mean love your body the way it is right now at this moment. Do not change it. Like you're not allowed to do body modifications. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. Like the, the way you were born is the way that you have to be and have to stay. And when that's the message Mm -hmm. of love your body, then that becomes really toxic and really damaging. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about trans identities, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, and even um, even for stuff like with disability um, and like with weight issues, um, the mm-hmm. the loving your body and all of that and navigating it, you know, there's some things that we can't change, but there are things that we can. And the idea of you should love your body in the state it's in, rather than you should do. You should find a way to healthily get your body to a place where you can love it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you just saying that made me think about, we were, uh, we did an episode on sort of fat positivity and fat liberation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking about, you know, it's like, why do you think it is that like we can have Barbie with Bertiligo <laughs> and Barbie in a wheelchair, but we can't have a fat Barbie. And um, someone said something that I thought was really interesting, which was that this idea that, okay, the, we're coming to terms with like having vertigo isn't a choice. Being in a wheelchair isn't a choice, but being fat is still seen as like yeah. a choice, mm-hmm. you know, like your, uh, like this idea that like you're doing that to yourself, mm-hmm. which is wildly ridiculous yeah. because mm-hmm. everyone has different relationships with weight in their mm-hmm. body. And, you know, um, and there are, are plenty of, of reasons that somebody might be fat. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I thought that that was an interesting mm-hmm. point. Um, that we're still societally seeing it as like a choice. Yeah, we see it as a choice. And also it's, it's. I really like the, the movement healthy at any size. Uh, I think that's a mm-hmm. really p- good way of framing things because like you can be thin and unhealthy, um, but oh, yeah. like people assume, like they just, they look at your weight and they make judgments about your health, even though, um, mm-hmm. and doctors do it as well, even though there's science showing that you can be fat, but have all the markers of health, you know, like yep. it's not that cut and dry. Well, that's like my, so my wife um, suffers from severe mm-hmm. anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. And we just yesterday, she had, you know, how Facebook will do that like oh, seven God, years yeah, ago yeah. today kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a picture of her and she was like, look how skinny I was. Like this was so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It was because I was mm-hmm. so anxious and so Mm. depressed that I was not eating food and people you know and now since she's had a little bit more (laughs) control over those things and gone to therapy and all of these different things you know she's she's gained quite a bit of weight and um but she's like I feel so much better yeah. at this weight that people are like, oh, yeah. you're fat now. And she's like, yeah, but I'm healthy. I'm eating <laughs> yeah. food. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and similarly in a, this is, this is horrible, but my, um, my mother-in-law has terminal cancer and has lost a lot mm-hmm. of weight and people are like, you look great. Like who wow. don't know she has cancer. And she's like, yeah. I'm oh, like, yeah. that's, you know, like, and, and so the, the assumption that weight and, and health, 
are you know always correlate is just right. wild mm-hmm. to me um but uh but anyway uh kaylee do you have anything to add to that yeah um sometimes i find that the idea of loving your body even though it's not explicitly mentioned it comes with a lot of conditions right mm-hmm. so it's like yeah. Love your body, make sure you go to the gym every day and eat healthily and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you rest and make sure you're meditating. And it's just like, that's, it's a lot for somebody that, that their body may or may not function in a way that allows mm-hmm. for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For a lot of different reasons. Um, and so I feel like it can be quite harmful if, if the idea is like, you guys have both said uh, that you need to love yourself no matter what, even if you're not there yet. And if it comes with these extra conditions or it's like, uh, maybe my healthy doesn't mean the same thing as your healthy. Yeah. Maybe my healthy is sitting down and watching Netflix all day. (laughs) That maybe that's my self care today. Right. Totally. And I think it's, oh, it just made me think about it. I forgot about this. <laughs> Yesterday I was at the store and there was this shirt that just said, sweat now, shine later. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> Literally my wife and I both were just like, oh. like <laughs> we yeah. individually had the same reaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that kind of, that mentality just frustrates me. And I think that not, not to be said that like for some people, like going to the gym is so important. It can help manage things like anxiety. It can help you know, uh, you know, it can help you be healthy and things like that, but it's not like the end all be all, you know, there is no end all be all for what health looks like for every single person. And it's not even necessarily the best way for everyone to get exercise. Like there's, um, so many ways that you can exercise that don't involve being in a gym, which of course is something that's an expense. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And also like thinking about like, I know a lot of people with joint mm-hmm. conditions mm-hmm. and yeah. things where you can't be like running yeah. on a treadmill. They have to do things mm-hmm. like swim or they have right. to do other kinds of things um, that are not, you know, maybe non-traditional, not the traditional, just going yeah, to exactly. a gym. Um, and also that space doesn't super feel super right. safe for yeah. a lot of people. I know for me as a trans person, I never felt safe. Like I, I did at one point, um, uh, go on that sort of like I need to lose weight thing, <laughs> mm. and I was like I got to do all the I got to do all the check boxes. Right. I got to yeah. go to a gym, and I got to right. you know eat vegetables and really salads <laughs> for every meal or whatever I thought I had to do. And um and I remember being in that gym space and just being so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like in, as a as a trans person. Um and I think that there's a lot of a lot of discomfort um for a lot of people about being mm-hmm. at the gym. And I guess it's like also you don't have to be healthy in order to be valued so, yeah exactly <laughs> that right wow what a concept <laughs> we're, all, we're all we should all be valued exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh um so i'm also interested in like what what's your earliest memory of being aware of so, sort of like social beauty standards um and that kind of or like the idea of maybe disliking part of your body you know to have like a young memory of something like that uh, so this um, this question, like when I first read it in the email you sent us, uh, it was interesting. It made me realize that I actually don't strong, I like consciously relate body positivity with the kind of societal standards of beauty. Like I, I hadn't thought of it. And of course, I'm logically aware upon reflection of, of course, they go together, but it just hadn't 
been a huge connection to me. Uh, I'm, I'm non-binary and so I'm not a boy and I'm not a girl and for, it's a little cliche, but for as long as I remember, I didn't really consider myself either. Um, I did the typical thing of, uh, people told me I was a girl, so I figured they knew what they were talking about. <laughs> uh, but, I feel yeah, you but there. I didn't, it didn't connect <laughs> with me. And so there are no societal standards of beauty for people who aren't mm. either a man or a woman. <laughs> um, this is yeah. something that I actually struggle with a lot. Um, I can't, I'm never confident in my style. I don't really know how I want to look. Um, I don't know what clothes I like to wear. I, I just don't really understand how I'm supposed to fit into that. And, uh, right now I've got, uh, my own business and I'm building a stronger public image and I'm just constantly looking at my public image going, I don't know what I'm doing. All of these people seem to know what style they have. What the heck am I supposed to do? Where are my like guidelines of how to look professional and how to look this and how to look that as someone who's yeah, not right. either? Um, I know I'm thinking about like when I, I went to school mm-hmm. for education, mm-hmm. my background is in art education and we had like a little seminar we all had to go to about how to dress. Mm-hmm. And if you're a man, you wear this. And if you're a, you know, a woman, yes. you wear this to an yes. interview or as a professional. And I'm like, well, if you're in between, like, what do you, and I have, I've, I've come to this point in my life where most of my friends are non-binary mm-hmm. and, um, it's interesting because we were talking about that. They're going to interviews and they were like, it's like a jumpsuit with like, a blazer. like what does this, like, what does it look like for me? You know, and it, it's hard because sometimes those guidelines can be helpful um, uh, because we have some idea of what, you know, okay, like what are you kind of up against? What is the expectation, especially for like professionalism yeah, yeah. and things like that can be helpful. Um, so that's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Cause I could, I can totally, I can totally relate. It took me so long to figure out what's that. that I feel like I just ended up going to the store and being like, I like this. That's, that's, that's how I ended up developing. It's like, I don't know what other people are wearing, yeah. but I like this weird shirt with like flowers on it. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And, uh, just in terms of the, what I was aware of not liking my body, Uh, I, I think I've, I never really strongly kind of connected with or identified with my body. Uh, I've had the physical, um, issues for so long. I've also had depression for so long. And then, um, when puberty hit, like I, I was in complete denial of puberty. (laughs) Like I just refused to acknowledge (laughs) what was happening for years. (laughs) Uh, so like I, it, it wasn't even a conscious, um, I don't like this about my body. It was just a blanket. Nope. Not happening. Don't, don't know what any people are talking about. There is nothing there. Nothing's coming out of me. Nope. I remember like what I was thinking about this question as well. And I have a very early memory of when I was, I think I was in like grade Mm. one and, uh, I, when I was younger, I didn't know that I had a disability and I didn't. Mm -hmm know what to call it but all I, all I knew is that I was not very athletic I was kind of awkward and I couldn't run very fast mm-hmm. and that was quite noticeable to me even at that age and I have a memory of imagining myself like with this long blonde hair and like <laughs> it was ridiculous I grew up in the early 90s so I guess like I was really into spandex or something but I have this <laughs> image of myself wearing this like tight fluorescent pink spandex and like running around the bases mm-hmm. and baseball and being really fast. And that was yeah. like that my thing would be like, oh, if only I could do that. 
as mm. if like that would somehow make it all better. And I had a very complicated relationship. Like when I got older, then I did find out what was going on and I started using a wheelchair. Um, I had gained a lot of weight because you go from like walking to like sitting. Yeah, right? of And um, I remember I was really set on going to university and moving away from mm. home. And at one point I was like, oh, like I might not be able to do this. Like, because mm. I was, I, I went to visit a university for a week and it was very hard to do all like the transfers. But my teenage yeah. brain mm-hmm. couldn't understand that like you were only there for a week. Like if you live there, you would have better mm-hmm. set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of internalized that and said like, I need to lose weight. Mm. And I like went on this like really unhealthy oh. diet and lost a lot of weight. And that was the way I kind of like processed my body and tried to um, reach my goals. And, and now I look yeah. back and I think that's just so sad. Yeah. I, um, I remember, gosh, I don't know how old I was. I think it was maybe in middle school and, you know, there was some kind of exercise or something we were doing in school. It was like, what part of your body do you love? And I literally was like my eyes, like that's Mm. at like, you know, 12 Mm, or 11. I was like already. And I don't even know, you know, it's, that's kind of scary when it's like, I don't even know where that came from. Exactly. Like it wasn't like someone told me your arms are not great. Or like your yeah. legs are not okay. But I had that idea that like all I liked about myself was my eyes. There was something wrong with the rest of my body. Yeah, um, I probably, yeah. And also I think as a short person, I, mm-hmm. I definitely always mm-hmm. had, you know, people tell, I'm, I'm under five feet tall. I'm four mm-hmm. foot nine. So I'm, I'm particularly short. And uh, I always had people telling me that my body was inadequate for Aww. that reason. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's why, like where I got, but it was like, it's very jarring when I think about that of yeah. like, wow, like society, like societal standards were that deep in me that I was already like, well, all of me is wrong for right, whatever reason, yeah. you know, at that age. It makes me very also worried as a parent oh, because yeah. Yeah. I don't, my parents were very supportive always. And um, I don't have any memories of them putting down my body or criticizing me in any mm-hmm. way. Yet still I had all these ideas somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's so hard to, um, I mean, and I think with, with a lot of things, whether it's, you know, that I, those, um, like what we're talking about, we're here with body positivity or just like those kinds of things, or whether it's, um, you know, a lot of parents will come to me a lot of times, like I've done all the things I can, like, as far as like giving my kids all of the, you know, different gendered toys and not telling them they have to wear, and then they go to school Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. like, someone's going to tell them you're playing with a doll that's for girls yeah, or, you know yeah. and it's like the same thing with beauty standards right we can't totally shelter them from um it's really funny i'm so italian i'm doing all these <laughs> that see. um but we can't you know we can't totally shelter them from uh from the worlds that they're gonna live in and i think all we can do is like give them the tools and understanding right we were talking about in the the fat uh, positivity episode, we were talking about how it's impossible, right, to really talk about this idea without talking about capitalism. Mm-hmm. And the idea that mm-hmm. like, somebody is making money <laughs> off of making yeah. you feel yeah. bad about yourself. And like, yeah. I think it's totally val- valid to tell kids that like, hey, like, companies make money off of making people feel bad about this. So there's yeah. nothing wrong, wrong with you. But that's, you know, that's what they're doing. And that's why, you know, they have and there's lots of really great for older kids too. There's like 
really great compilations of like what a model looks like originally and then like Mm -hmm. what a model looks like by the time they do all that photoshop and put them on a billboard and do all their makeup and their hair and um and and things like that where it's just like hey like this is not really realistic uh you know standard that we're holding ourselves up Mm -hmm. to and you know people are doing this because they want you to buy makeup or they want you to buy their clothes or they want you to buy their whatever Um, but I thought that was an interesting point that it's like we can't really um, separate this idea from the idea Mm -hmm. of capitalism yeah absolutely (laughs) um so moving sort of to the kids aspect of it um I mean, and we we're sort of just talking about this, but like, how how young do you think kids are affected by these kinds of beauty standards? Oh, like younger than we want to think about. <laughs> uh, um, I, I I am a really big into like researching, and so I like that's that's how I know what to do is I research the heck out of it. So I've seen like yeah. the human development studies on how. Um, like we respond, we, we subconsciously treat and view um, infants, newborns differently based on their genitals. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so, I mean, that <laughs> affects how they're treated. And even if the parents try really hard, like just going around the world, um, you know, people react to your child you know strangers come up friends family all of that you know they react to your child mm-hmm. so uh i'm not like even before they're like consciously aware of anything they start getting treated differently and um adults will like start commenting on like uh how they're they're pudgy and it's like with little really little kids are kind of yeah. supposed to be oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. they're not it's like their job to be like little fat cherubs yeah <laughs> <laughs> um they're there was an episode of, uh, gosh, I don't even know why I was watching it. I was like at my parents' house and it was on or for, for some reason, my, my mom went through a phase where she was watching those, like uh, the real housewives oh, shows. And, and there was one episode where a woman was legitimately like, I need to put my baby on a diet. My baby's oh, my God. I was like, it's your baby's <laughs> job yeah. to, to your doctor chubby. first. <laughs> like no baby needs to be on a diet. <laughs> Oh, I mean, sometimes gosh. you can't even tell, like, doctor, I, my sister-in-law's doctor just told her one-year-old to, like, he needs to eat less low cal- lower-calorie foods, whatever the hell that uh, means. Nope. Wait, eat. Yeah. Just, just a big nope for me. Uh, I'm a, not a doctor, but no, that sounds, like, your child is growing. Like, yeah. it's, their, it's their job to, like, you know, you got to grow in all mm-hmm. the directions in order to like yeah you can't just just get taller mm-hmm. and not get any bigger like and this baby so pretty cute. much just is still eating a lot of breast milk mm-hmm. like yeah so. you're gonna come back on that yeah. and and babies who i mean i found as a nanny that babies who are on breast milk are just like a lot hardier mm-hmm. uh they tend to be like a little they have like more of those kind of like little traditional like baby mm-hmm. rolls and mm-hmm. um you know and it's like it's just what the, it's their yeah. it's their job yeah. to grow. It's like yeah. all, all they have to do is just grow. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah, and, and I oh, oh, and like your your brain is literally two thirds fat. So at that age, mm-hmm. they need fat. <laughs> they very literally need fat for their brains yeah. to grow. <laughs> 
Like, uh. Yeah, it's so. Oh, oh gosh, now I don't remember what I was going to say. Probably wasn't important. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say is that we were um, we were talking about in that other episode about how like you don't. I, I don't think that we, we like you have the ability and right as a parent to go to your pediatrician and say, "Hey, don't talk about weight with my yeah. kid. If you want to talk about my kid's weight, you can pull me aside mm-hmm. separately, but like yeah, don't that's talk a good about idea. that in front of my kid." Yeah. Uh, we were also talking about how as adults, like which I found out very recently and now I I do this all the time is like you do not have to be weighed at the doctor. Mm, no. Mm-hmm. That is a thing that you can say, "I don't get weighed." Like, yeah. it, you know, I don't, I take care of that on my own. Like I pay attention to that on my own and I don't, you know, unless you're really concerned that it has something to do with like other under like right. issues mm-hmm. that I have or something. Um, like I just don't, and now I just don't get weighed at the doctor. I'm like, that's okay. I don't get weighed. Um, I think um, like the only reason you have to is like for anesthetic or medications, yeah. right? Yes. So. Yeah. There are certain things and the doctor will tell mm-hmm. you like mm-hmm. if it's in, but you know, as a general checkup. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like a totally yeah. unnecessary and usually has <laughs> nothing to do with your other health. Yeah. Uh, indicators um since moving to ireland the only time that the doctor has ever checked my weight was um at the start of a pregnancy because um your weight at the start of pregnancy impacts uh risk factors Mm -hmm. and i like doing home births Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like that's Mm -hmm. the only time that they've ever asked me to to get my weight done never for just a checkup or anything else well, I think like it's totally valid that there are yeah. certain times where yeah. it is important, right. um, but I think that there's a lot of focus mm-hmm. on weight and health, and and I think that also for me, like personally, um, I almost I almost do it just to make doctors aware that like I don't have to get weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I know, like I I take. Um, like I have a scale at home and I pay attention to my weight and what I'm eating mm-hmm, and whatever mm-hmm. you know whatever that means for me. And like I don't, you know, like. And and there a lot of times they're very like what, mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah I don't have to get weighed it's fine. And they're just like oh okay, um, but I I think for me it's almost a matter of making them aware that like that's not that's, you should be paying attention to the other you know I'm telling you right. all these other mm-hmm. things that are going on and with my health yeah. like that's what's important. I I can't remember Kaylee if you ever had a chance to answer about how uh, how young do you think kids are affected by beauty standards? We got on a tangent. <laughs> uh- yeah, I would just add that, like, again, like, young, <laughs> too young. Um, yeah. And the opposite of, like, not just thinking about my own daughter and she, something to do with hair length mm-hmm. that she's trying to figure out. Things. So for the longest time, she was like, I'm a boy. Um, Daddy's a boy. Mommy's a girl. And I was like, okay. But I think that she was figuring out, like, people with short hair are boys. Mm-hmm. And then now she's moved beyond that, but now she's really like into like the hair length of her dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's very much like talking about how Elsa's hair is very long and in a braid. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of that. And I'm trying to be like, Oh, but look at how your hair curls at the back. It's so cute. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways that hair can look and it's not mm-hmm. all the same. And it's some of it yeah. is different and that's okay because there's positive things in it, right? So I'm trying to do that. I don't know how well it's going to work. Well, I also think with the, especially when kids get to like five, especially there's like this very um, 
this binary thinking mm-hmm, that happens mm-hmm. where it's like, well, boys have this and girls have yep, this or yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever it's about. Again, I'm always going to go to gender because that's just where yeah, I live. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just remember in explaining to my grandmother when she was like, well, I don't understand because you say that you're a boy, but you like traditionally mm-hmm, girly mm-hmm. things or whatever. That. And I was like, okay, let me ask you this. If grandpa wore a dress, would he be a girl? And she was like, no. And I was like, exactly. Like, mm-hmm, you know yeah. what? If you have short hair. You can be a girl yeah. and have short hair. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, of course, like we always want to listen if kids are saying things like, well, I'm a boy. Like, we're like, okay, well, like why? Like we'll ask, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, asking questions because it could just be, oh, because I have yeah. short hair, that means mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. to be a boy. Like, oh, well, actually you can be a girl with <laughs> short hair, but also if you're a boy, that's yep, fine yep. too. Like whatever. Um, but, but I think it's always good to, we talk about this a lot, but, um, at, you know, ask, answering a question with a question mm-hmm, or kind of mm-hmm, inquiring mm-hmm. when our kids make statements yes. and being like, hmm, like, tell me more about that. Like, why are you a boy? <laughs> Yeah, we were just kind of like, okay, cool. You're a boy. Yeah, cool, um, great. You know, now she's, now she's really adamant that she's a girl, so <laughs> I whatever. Yeah. I guess as an as- another aspect that I wanted to add is that um, working on an eating disorder unit mm. in a mm. doctor's hospital, um, the children that are coming in are are younger and yeah. younger, and it's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've I've heard of like five year olds talking about yeah. how they need to go on a diet. It's like you're you're five. Yeah, yeah. you you shouldn't even have that on your or, on your radar. Yeah, and one of the things I think is that we as adults around kids we have to think about how mm-hmm, we're talking mm-hmm, about our bodies. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and I think being positive about like I I mean you know my kids are my twins are very young that I nanny mm-hmm. obviously but they are obsessed with my belly they <laughs> love pulling up my shirt and playing with my belly and I'm like yeah like my belly is great like mm-hmm. I, you know and I have like a bigger belly and I'm like totally fine they love belly buttons mm-hmm. um they're obsessed with their own they're obsessed with mine <laughs> they're obsessed with everybody's belly um but I you know in not being like oh no don't touch my belly you know what I mean and of course like that's my comfort level with my belly yeah. not everyone it's going to want babies to manhandle their belly. Um, but, uh, but I think for me, you know, that's a way for me to be positive about like, yeah, like I have a bigger belly and like, mm-hmm, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I actually like that part of my body, you know, and I think uh, being, even if we have negative associations with parts of our body, being careful about how we're talking about, you know, things like, you know, saying things like, Oh, I'm so fat or talking, I need to go on a diet or, making those kinds of comments around kids because they're little sponges uh, and they absorb everything and they mimic, you know, a lot of the language that we're using. Mm All right, it's about time for some announcements. First of all, thanks again for tuning in, as always. Uh, We actually have an exciting announcement today. So next Friday, March 27th at 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, we're going to be having a music and story time. It'll be virtual on Zoom, so anyone uh, anyone can join. Um, I'm going to be playing some ukulele and uh, reading some books, so I hope that I'll see you there. It's totally free if you want to make a donation you can but it is definitely not mandatory besides that it's pretty much just the regular stuff uh you can follow us at radchild podcast on facebook twitter and instagram if you want to reach out to us you can do so at radchildpodcast at gmail.com or on our website www.radchildpodcast.com if you'd like to be a guest you can also do that in the contact us section of the website there's a short form for you to fill out uh if you'd like to join the wonderful emma kai and 
Alex and uh, contribute a monthly donation, you can do that on patreon.com forward slash Bradchild podcast. Uh, it starts as little as $1 a month and you can get rid of some really awesome rewards like bloopers, discord access, care packages, kids books, kids book recommendations, and more. And last but not least, uh, you can also check out our Etsy shop with all of our merch on it. If you go to, uh, you can either search Radchild Podcast on Etsy, or you could just go to our website and click on shop. All right, now I'm going to hand it over to Rebecca and Crystal. Do you wish more picture books truly reflected your family's values? Have you ever thought you found the perfect book, but when you got it home, it completely missed the mark? Shift Book Box is a picture book subscription service for kids ages 3 to 8, built around themes of social justice and centering diverse characters and creators. Each box features two beautiful picture books as well as expertly crafted discussion guides. We know that families want to engage kids in conversations about social justice topics, and we recognize how challenging it can be to find the right books and to feel supported in having these conversations. We find the books... We provide the prompts. You get both delivered to your door. Subscribe today at shiftbookbox.com and use the code RADCHILD. RADCHILD. All one word. RADCHILD. RADCHILD. For 10% off your first order. Shift Bookbox. Curating little libraries. Cultivating big change. So, moving on, I'm wondering how you think children's media affects affects kids' ideas about, you know, the idea of, like, who's beautiful and who is not. Oh, fine. Papers upon papers <laughs> have been written on this. I mean, children's media is kind of awful <laughs> because um, it's, things are so heavily coded. You know, like, the ugly stepsisters are bad because they're ugly, Um the protagonist is beautiful and that's how we know that the protagonist is a good person. Um, yep. And then um, yeah, we, we just don't even see so many different body parts, um, different levels of ability unless they're in like this one um, like special episode where we're going to talk exclusively <laughs> about the one thing that makes this person different. And this person isn't allowed to just be their own person, you know, like they're not allowed to have other interests or anything like that. It's just like, here's a person in a wheelchair. Let's focus explicitly on that wheelchair. Yeah, it's like a Saturday, you know, afternoon special about why it's okay to be in a wheelchair. (laughs) Yes. We're just like you. It's like the same. Oh my gosh, I can't. I could write write many papers. There's also like similarly to the the coding you were talking about negatively with like ugly is bad. I think there's also like fat is either bad or you're like the comic sidekick. Yes, yes, you're definitely not the hero. No. And also I think there is a lot of... um, and we're getting a little bit better with all these things now, slowly, so slowly. Uh, but also, like queer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. folks are often coded as, you mm-hmm. know, a comic mm-hmm. character, a comical character, yeah, or a bad yeah. character. Like I think a lot about. I grew up with Pokemon, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know how familiar you are mm-hmm, with Pokemon mm-hmm. with the series. But there were James. two. The the bad guys mm-hmm. were called Team Rocket. And it's James and Jesse, and they always cross dressed. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so, but they were the, you know, they were the yes. bad guys. Um, and it never, it never really occurred to me. Like now it's really funny because we're, you know, as adults, yeah. like people from, you know, the nineties kids are all like, huh. like yeah. <laughs> oh wait, this wasn't good. I don't wonder about that. Um, yeah. But, but I think it's interesting what's, 
being coded as you know bad mm-hmm. in in media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's actually a really good uh, a show that I think has some good representation called Julie's Green. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's, oh, I don't know fantastic. if you've ever if you've ever seen it, but yeah, yeah it's a, it's a Netflix show with uh, with Julie mm-hmm. Andrews, and it's uh, basically uh, it's to introduce kids to different things about mm-hmm. theater, mm-hmm. which I love because I'm like a big <laughs> yeah. theater nerd. Um, but there are uh, the, the, the kids represented in the show are puppets mm-hmm. and they're all, almost all of them are people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one who is in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and it's like not a flipping big no. deal. That they're, like at one point someone mentions it and they're like, yeah, it's cool. Look, I can do a wheelie or like whatever. <laughs> they're just like, but it's about how he loves mm-hmm. to play piano. Yeah. Like that's the thing about him. Yeah. He, he has, he can have more than one yes. thing. Uh, <laughs> yes. Intersectionality <laughs> exists. He doesn't just have to be the kid mm-hmm. in the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, and there's a character who they don't gender yes. throughout the entire series, mm-hmm. R- Riley, mm-hmm. who has sort of a, you know, a, a gender yeah. neutral name and they never uh, particularly say whether Riley's boy or girl. And Which you have to um, pay a ton of attention to, which is something that always annoys me. Like, they can't just say it. You have to know, every single episode and be like, did they use a pronoun yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. We're not, like I said, slowly, slowly. <laughs> but, um, but that's... A, I think one of the only ones that I can think of where, mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. a char- like a regular character who has a disability who it's not yeah. like, about their disability, right. you know? And there's also, well, now like in, uh, in, I mean, this is less about body positivity, but um, they're in Sesame street. Now they have Julia who has mm-hmm. autism, mm-hmm. who's a regular, a regular character. So they're start mm-hmm. we're starting slowly to get some diversity in children's yeah. media, but it's few and far between. And you have to really mm-hmm. like, I feel like you really have to be like, Oh, did you ever notice that? Like they never use pronouns for writer? Like, did you ever notice? Like, it's like no. you have to have a whole, you have to make your own afternoon yes. special about it. <laughs> um, but I think that's also important, like for us to remember that that's something we mm-hmm. can do. We can pause something, or we can, yeah. you know, look at a book and be like, "Hey, did you ever notice about you know this about mm-hmm, this character? Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty cool." Or like, "Huh, did you ever notice that like all main characters are like really skinny and like you know look like yeah. this? Like, why do you think that is? Yeah. Like, we, you know, I think it's important to teach kids to be critical mm-hmm. of media too. Um, yeah, I think we can yeah. underestimate. Like, we don't think that they they get it yet. And it's, it could be easy just to be like, oh, I'll explain it later. Mm-hmm, but like, mm-hmm. they're getting it now. Yeah. They're getting the messages, yeah. internalizing it, whether or not you talk about yes. it. Yeah, for sure. One, uh, the other thing I was going to add is like, um, all this media, whether it's books or stuff they see on TV, it's it's very much um, portraying like what is normal, mm-hmm. right? What is it normal yeah. to see and what is like abnormal or different. And I think that the idea of difference is, is really um, capturing me lately, like thinking mm-hmm. about working with kids that identify as different and how they cope with that. Because often like they just want to really want to fit in. I'm going to be really super skinny because yeah. uh, I can't make up for the fact that I'm in a, I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. So it's like, or you can like challenge that idea of like, there's a normal mm-hmm. and a different mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the better the kids will be able to just sort of like take all that in and be like, okay, yeah, that some people are like this, some people are like that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so mm-hmm. that's just how it is. We're all yeah. different. I mean, we're all different, mm-hmm. yeah. right? There is no normal. Yeah. There is no standard. Yeah. Um, and I think the idea that there's a standard is just this weird myth. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 
And uh, I think it's really good, Kaylee, that you brought up people doing things that they can't afford. Because one of the things that um, media does, I, I read about this ages ago, and it was like this light bulb moment. Um, most most shows, like the, they show people, they show families that are at a six-figure or higher income, which is not representative of the vast majority of families and households. That's so interesting. And like, I, I'd never yeah. thought about it before, but I kind of thought back to most of the shows that I've watched. I'm like, yeah, actually, like the kind of house huh. that they're living, the lifestyle <laughs> style they're living, the cars they're driving, like... Yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> let's talk about friends. How yeah. are any of them affording those uh, yeah. out of here? We're, we're, wasn't one You're of them, like actually um, violating like New York City's rent control laws? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that was the case. <laughs> and it actually was brought up. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, like I can't, but I think about that a lot, especially mm-hmm. as someone who I lived in New York City oh, for many years. Man. So whenever I watch shows that are in New York, I'm like, get out of here. You do you not afford that, that apartment. apartment. Yeah. No, you have like six roommates and one yes. bathroom, and yeah. the bathroom is like a weird closet that you can barely like fit in. Like, yes. get out of here. The funny thing is, is I'm probably being filmed in Toronto because it's cheaper. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, so, uh, going back, going back to kids, cause we could talk all oh, I, that. I, that uh, is related to kids though. Cause like kids, they, they expect yeah. to have all that stuff. They're like, why, why can't I have an iPhone? Oh, you know. know, why can't I have the newest this? Why can't I have yep. the newest that? And so when yep. they, all their heroes on TV are wearing like the newest clothes and these brand names yeah. and everything else, yeah. then yeah, they're going to feel like something's well, wrong with them yeah. just because totally they're right. yeah. not super wealthy. So sort of going off of that, um, I'm wondering how, you know, how we can help kids grow up with the idea that their bodies are valid while respecting their feelings about mm-hmm. their body and not pushing that, like, you gotta love it all the time. Yeah. One of the hardest things is that it, it it's something that we really have to do kid to kid. Like, um, like my eldest from friggin' three uh, expressed being gender fluid. So, mm-hmm. and... Um, from a pretty young age, like didn't uh, actually didn't use like the proper quote unquote words for their genitals um, for a while. Like they mm-hmm. referred to their bits, uh, their um, well, their penis as their pee bum, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like the the kind of conventional wisdom is teach kids to use the proper language for mm-hmm. their genitalia. But then when you get like trans kids pushing the mm-hmm. quote unquote proper language on them can actually be super intensely dysphoric and make oh, them really oh, not yeah. like their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like we, we tried pretty hard to really delay this idea of penis equals male penis equals boy, just because we knew that once that idea starts to really play, take seed, if a kid is saying they're thinking, I'm not a boy, but my penis makes me a boy, so my penis is wrong. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, like Seth says, you know, we go to gender because that's where we live. But, um, yeah. yeah, there's the conventional wisdom that might work for most kids or at least the kids who were in that particular study <laughs> may not work for everyone. And uh, I think there's a lot of... Um, this is not something I've personally experienced, so I try to avoid talking about, but there's lots of advice that works for white kids that 
doesn't work for black kids because they have such a different experience of the way that they're treated yeah. and seen in the world and portrayed in media and all that. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think that interesting, like going back to the mm-hmm. language, I think that there's also validity in saying like, Hey, it's okay mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you uh, use this word, mm-hmm. but you might, mm-hmm. you might notice that like other yeah. people, you know, just, you know, right. use this mm-hmm. word or mm-hmm. if you go to the doctor, yeah. they might use this yeah. word. It's yeah. like, it's important to know, you know, maybe like what mm-hmm. the anatomical mm-hmm. word is, but like, if you're not yeah. comfortable with that word, like, I mean, I know plenty of adults who no. don't use penis or mm-hmm. vagina or vulva for their part and they, you know, uh, make, you know, they have their own words that they feel comfortable with. Um, and I think, but I think that there's someone once brought up the idea that uh, they, we were talking about sex, they were a sex educator. And they brought up the idea that they're like, hey, like, you know, a, a lot of my, if my kids are, you know, the teenagers, if they're using the word dick, like, I have to be able to answer a question, like, about a dick. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, actually, it's penis. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And there are times, right, where, like, a kid, someone might be, like, a younger kid might be saying, like, yeah, yeah. or, you know, like, there, yeah. there are mm-hmm, different, mm-hmm. like, we have different words that we use. And I think it's, um, it's important to know, like, hey, like, if you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. they might use this word. But, like, if you're using this other word, like, yeah, that's yeah. okay, too. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway. I guess, like, to answer that question, my thing is, like, I really want to try to convey kind of, like, a foundation of uh, body respect mm-hmm, as much mm-hmm, as possible. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to yeah. love your body, but you do have to yeah. eat and, and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and make sure that you are, you know, as best as possible respecting your body. I love that. And then the other idea that I was thinking of is, like, I really like this idea of, like, deservingness to take up space mm-hmm, and particularly mm-hmm. like important to me yes. as a wheelchair user um who goes on the subway every day to go to work mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and during rush hour um, <laughs> one day I was just sitting there and I noticed like I was clenching my jaw and I was just like looking around like a like a cat yeah. like terrified <laughs> of like yeah. where am I am I in someone's way where do I have mm-hmm, to go mm-hmm, how do mm-hmm. I get out of someone's way and then I, I looked around and I saw some some person, male identifying person, mm-hmm. um, locking the doorway and just sort of like, <laughs> kind of like man spreading yes. in the doorway and having people <laughs> yeah, walk doorway. around him. And I was just like, okay, he does not think that way. Like mm-hmm. he is just like, whatever, I'm here. Like people have to go around me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's the way to go either, but like, the idea is that, like, he has never questioned his right to take mm-hmm. up a space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though, right? Um, that, I, that I can see of, right? Like, and I want my daughter to feel like she can take up space yes. without worrying about yeah. um, not feeling deserving or trying mm-hmm. to get out of people's way all the time. And yeah. I realize that I have to also convey that to her. Yeah, that's myself, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, I have to challenge my own. Mm-hmm. um deserving yeah. this in a public space um because i've been taught like you know to get out of the way or that i'm yeah. inconvenient or that i take up yeah. space um, and i think especially also like coupling the whole disability thing i think as someone who's who was socialized female i felt yeah. that way as well that i wasn't yeah. allowed yeah. to take up space mm-hmm. and yeah. i think we think like a lot i'm thinking of the public transportation thing right we're taught to like put our push our legs together and yeah. cross our you know and be, take up as little space as possible and meanwhile you know people who are socialized male are like man spreading yeah. taking up <laughs> two people's worth of seats and uh so there's definitely a gender yeah, aspect sure. to that idea as well absolutely um, 
Um, that it's interesting that you said that though about the taking up space because I I caught myself they always I there's this saying that like the first thing you think is what society mm. taught you know taught you to think and then the second thing is like what you mm, actually I think like I had this moment the other day where here in Montreal we do this very smart thing <laughs> where uh, there, there's just so many things here that I'm like why don't we do this in the states this makes so much sense but if you if you're on the escalator and you want to stand on the escalator you stay to the right and if you want to walk up you stay to the left so everybody who's standing stays to the right and I was walking by and there was a person who I mean I I think it maybe have been because they had a bag or something but they were like not they were a little over halfway um and I was like trying to get up and I was like this person's taking up too much space and I was like who the heck am I to say this person's taking up this is how much space they need right now like you know and I've definitely been the person on on there with like 10 bags and like you know but when it's me I'm like oh yeah you know and and so I caught myself in that thought the other day I was like who am I to like say how much space anyone takes up is too much you know yeah I know (laughs) And I guess I wanted to add something similar to that, which is like, as a person uh, who experiences chronic pain, like there's some days where I'm really, really struggling, right? And and mm-hmm. and I've tried to hide that from my daughter, but then I'm trying to challenge myself and be like, wait a minute, like, do I need to always hide that from mm-hmm. her, right? Like, is is it actually beneficial for to model that like mm-hmm. you know, sometimes our bodies hurt and it and it sucks and we're having a pain day, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I struggled with that so a lot because I also don't want to like her to be uh, over. I don't know, overburdened. See, yeah. I'm already using that language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I yeah, yeah. I um, I think that's one that's it's like about that whole idea of developmentally appropriate and sharing yeah. the right amount for the right age. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's something that I deal with as well, and I'm. Uh, I'm still very early in the postpartum period and the pregnancy was not particularly easy. So it, it, there was no hiding it mm-hmm. plenty of days. They're like, okay, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm in too much pain to do that right now. Yeah, um, it's yeah, just yeah. kind of like how we can present it in a way that helps them and like gives them empathy yeah. and even gives yeah. them permission that when they're having a day where they're sick or don't feel well, they can rest. Yeah. You know, exactly. like that they're not learning that they have to push through because I mean, kids notice so much more than we do. So if we're just pushing through the pain, they're going to notice, Yeah, like they're going to notice something's that's wrong true. and they're going to be like, Oh, that's, you know, that's what we got to do. But at the yeah. same time, yeah, like we, you you can't dump grown up level stuff on kids. They they yeah. can't process it like that well. And it's yeah. Yeah, I think I think a lot about when I was a kid, I think my parents tried to Mm -hmm, hide mm -hmm. their feeling, you know, come off as strong. And, uh, and I think that they there was the time and I think I mean, there's still a lot of people right who uh, think that that's beneficial right to sort of should we want to shelter our kids and protect them. And we we don't want to, you know, seem vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to show some vulnerability in front of kids. So they know like, hey, it's okay. Like, I like I had a moment one time where I, um, I had got, somebody had yelled at me, uh, and I was very upset. And I was with a kid that mm-hmm. I nannied who was a little younger than mm-hmm. two, and I started crying. And I was just like, I have to be like, <laughs> I'm like weeping outside of a restaurant. And I'm just like, I have to make this a teaching moment. Like, is crying because he's sad, and like you know because this happened. Yeah, and, it's um, okay to and, cry. And, and, and you know what? 
<laughs> yeah, like I, I well, I thought about it, and I was like, her parents were not people. I mean, you know, who I felt like were going to cry in front of yeah. her, and I was like, she's got to know that adults oh, can cry, yeah. like, you know. And and it was it was actually very sweet because she then she then opened her arms and went hug, oh, and oh. then hugged me and patted my back and said, oh, oh. it was very cute. <laughs> um, and I was like, you have more emotional intelligence than many yes. adults I know. Yeah. Um, I but, feel like kids uh, start out I with thought, more emotional you know, I, intelligence and then we kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. society. Yeah. I think yeah, it also, like, it away. speaks to like the pressures to parent in a mm-hmm, certain mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. and to feel like, oh, yeah. I struggle if yeah. I'm a parent, I have to have all the answers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when actually like sometimes you don't yeah. and sometimes it's okay well, to be yeah. vulnerable and sometimes it doesn't have to always be a teaching moment as nice when it can be, yes. but you know, yeah. Well, I think it too day. about not having, yeah. not having all the answers. I think it's nice too to be able to have that vulnerability to say, like, I don't yeah. know the answer yeah. to that question, yeah. or that mm-hmm. you know. Um, I I think that there's a like something really important about, and again, not everything needs to be mm-hmm. a teaching moment, but right. um, but having vulnerability in front of kids, and because I just remember like when I was in my mid twenties, real suddenly realizing that my parents were like humans yeah. with like feelings. And it was yeah. weird. Yeah. I was like, Oh, my mother went from being this perfect thing to like someone who's flawed and someone mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, has feelings and emotions and like who sometimes I feel like I have more emotional <laughs> intelligence and my mother doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, like I, I think that it was very jarring to me to like realize like, Oh, my mom's a person because my parents didn't really show a lot of emotions in front of me. Mm -hmm. They, they sheltered me from a lot. And so I think that there's something, and I think that that made me feel like I, you know, couldn't, couldn't show emotions and couldn't do those things, you know? And so I think it becomes like a cycle and that's why I think it's important to show some vulnerability and just be, be honest about stuff. And kids can understand like, like at, again, going back to having a disability, like sometimes with the kids that I nanny, I have narcolepsy. So sometimes Mm. I just get very tired Mm -hmm. and I have to just Mm -hmm. lay down on the couch for a couple of minutes. And, Mm -hmm. and I'll tell, I mean, even at this young age, I'll tell them like, okay, like Seth has to lay down for a minute. And they're so sweet. Like they'll come over next to me and they'll play with their toys quietly next to me. And like, even at that age, they're able to understand, uh, you know, I mean, most of the time, sometimes they just like climb on (laughs) me and I'm like, okay. Um, but, or they'll like, they have in their living room, they have sort of a big poof on the floor. It's like a big kind of cushion. And I'll, sometimes I'll lay down on that and they'll just come and like lay next to me Aww. and rest their heads. It's like, very, it's very sweet. Yeah. Um, but I think that kids can understand a lot more than we give them credit for, even at a young age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely can. For sure. um, so uh, I'm also interested in talking about like, if a kid, you know, does come, you know, come to you and say like, I'm ugly or call, maybe is saying yeah. like, oh, that person is ugly, whether it's a person they see or it's someone in a show mm-hmm. or whatever, like how, how can we respond to that? Uh, I think that that's one where it's going to really depend on whether they're saying it about themselves or about someone else. Mm-hmm. Because like, if they're saying something like that about someone else, um, then you need to address the fact that it might hurt their feelings And that's Mm -hmm. something that, like, uh, even if they're not saying something, like, ugly, um, if a lot of times, you know, like, uh, they'll notice someone with a disability and they'll say something that's genuinely innocently meant but could be hurtful or they see someone who has darker skin than them or, you know, all these things where they see someone 
who maybe they haven't seen a person like that before. That person is different and they comment on it. It's genuinely not meanly meant, or maybe it is, but it may not be meant as a mean thing and you have to address it. And um, same with the ugly thing, like you have to address the impact it will have on others. But Mm -hmm. when I think when they say it about themselves, then you can do the, like the asking questions thing that we uh, talked about before, because um, first of all, find out what ugly really means to them. Um, Cause there are, there are kids that uh, even kids can start reclaiming terms. Um, like I know, I know she wasn't talking about herself, but there is a scene in the movie Ant-Man where uh, the main character gives his daughter this um, very creepy looking stuffed animal. And she looks at it and she goes, it's so ugly. I love it. <laughs> you know and kids um even from kind of young ages they can be reclaiming stuff you know there's lots of movements um and subcultures that are all about reclaiming concepts like ugly so you know kind of find out where are they coming from and if they are saying that like they're not good enough then kind of figure out where did that come from you know is there did someone tell it to them uh is did it mm-hmm. or it was a tv show you know what where is that coming from and kind of help them guide them to a better place yeah i think like you were saying in the beginning mm-hmm. there's kids make so many yes. observations and it's just an observation they're saying like that person is this yeah. color that person is you know has yeah. wheels that person you know mm-hmm. they're just like making observations and i think what's important is not to not to be like Shh, don't say that. um but you know because then that that gives them the idea like oh there's something mm-hmm. wrong about that yeah. right yeah. but the idea to say like hey like yeah i see that you're mm-hmm. noticing that that person is different um and w- you know we can absolutely have a conversation yeah. about that but also so like, you know, pointing, yeah, you know, yeah. pointing at someone and saying like, you're yeah. this or you're that can make some people feel mm-hmm, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, you know, I think there's a balance between not being like, oh my gosh, don't say that. <laughs> ah, and yes. making a big taboo around it. Yeah. And just pointing mm-hmm. out like, hey, like pointing out differences can make some yeah. people uncomfortable. And like, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the difference. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's like a balance yeah. there for sure. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of like... Um, Instead of like, shh, don't talk about this. Like, be like, oh, can you say hi? Look at their wheelchair. Isn't that cool? Like, they, they could drive their wheelchair around. Like, just sort of like trying to promote curiosity and um, mm. not not have that fear. But then also being aware of the other person and that they may not be in that headspace to want to entertain your, your child, yeah. right? Um, so trying to just always be aware of like, how did that person respond? Do they seem like someone that seems like they'd be okay to be like, Oh, say hi to that person. Or are they just like not interested and, you know, and trying to create every situation you can and try to navigate it as best you can. Um, I'm also a fan of like, just trying to figure out if someone says I'm ugly or that person's ugly, where did that come from? What do you mean? Ugly? Yeah. Um, and then I think the, the, the hard part is then like if they'd say like, no, I'm ugly because my nose is big or mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. then what do you do? Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like trying to just open the conversation and being like, well, what's wrong with having uh, a big nose or what? I don't think it's necessary. Like, I think a lot of parents want to go to like, oh, no, you're beautiful. Or, 
you're not fat yeah. or when it's mm-hmm. like maybe the kid is larger than, yeah. than their peers and it's like how do you then talk about that in a way that facilitates um that body respect yes. and acknowledges the reality that when they go to school like they might get teased yeah. or some of the teenagers that I work with like adults will come up to them and mm-hmm. say horrible mm-hmm. things um, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Sometimes you teachers. Don't want to that's not happening. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, I, how do you have that conversation? I think there's also such validity in finding like real life pictures of just being like, okay, yeah, you think you're ugly because you have uh, bushy mm-hmm. eyebrows, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here, here's Frida Kahlo. <laughs> she <laughs> had some serious eyebrows, and like, she's yeah. beautiful. Look at all these paintings of her. She's famous, yeah. you know, uh, for her paintings of herself, and and uh, you know what I mean. And finding, you know, maybe finding people with those similar features and saying, mm-hmm. like, don't you think, like, I think this person is beautiful. Yeah. And many, you know, not to say that it's valid because everyone thinks that they're beautiful, but like, yeah. you know what I mean. Like finding real life examples, of just being like, you know, well, I have a big nose yeah. too, like. I think, you know, and I feel beautiful or whatever, whatever. Um, but while still giving that validity to like, it's okay to, Mm -hmm. to not like parts of our body sometimes. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's about, you know, and uh, like everything, there's the balance, but I think also with talking about when we were talking about just like, Oh, maybe we can go say hi to that person. Um, it's interesting because we, in an episode we did about disability, most of the folks with disabilities, uh, I think actually all of them on the episode were like, yeah, I mean, it's context, mm-hmm. right? Like if I'm running to the subway, <laughs> maybe you're not stopping yeah. me being like, I see you have a cane, <laughs> sir. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think that there's most of the people were like, I am usually more than happy mm-hmm. to answer questions yeah. rather than like being stared yeah, yeah. at and talked about, Exactly, um, you know, and of course it's also about respecting the no. If you go up to someone and you're like, you know, my kid has, you know, a question about mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. wheelchair. Is it okay if we ask you? And someone says, you know what? I really don't feel like answering that question today and not feeling like, Oh, people with wheelchairs are oh, so mean. I know. Uh, because this <laughs> individual represents everyone, of course. Right, yes, right. of course. But I feel that pressure a lot oh, as a yeah. queer person. Like, if I don't want to educate people, yeah. it's like, oh, those queers, they're so oh. mean. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's important to, you know, to prep the kid that, like, hey, maybe we can ask about that. But, you know, they might not feel like talking <laughs> about it. But it's always good to, you know, ask about yeah. people more, more than just making assumptions or, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. So I think that mm-hmm. I really like that idea. I, I think that for that one, it's that is still a place where you're going to want to coach them a little bit. Um, like, uh, th- this, this genuinely happened. My kid, um, saw a kid on the playground who, um, appeared to be of Asian descent. And my kid <laughs> looks at me and goes, he's from Japan. And if he walked up to this poor kid who's just playing on the playground and said, mm-hmm. are you from Japan? You know, that, that's yeah, not yeah. going to, that's probably not going to feel great, especially when, yeah. um, there's so much, you know, go back to where you came from. Like you, you don't belong here. So it, it definitely is a matter of coaching them because there are some things like generally, uh, an, an adult in a wheelchair, if approached respectfully, will probably be okay with answering questions. Um, in my experience, a lot of queer, like visibly queer people when approached respectfully, like context, et cetera. But, with like yeah. approaching like first of all approaching kids is very different uh and also yeah. there are some things where the way you approach them matters so much yeah 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 absolutely. yeah absolutely um 
so my and we we talked about this a little bit earlier but um i'm wondering if we sort of have more practical Mm -hmm. thoughts or ideas about how how do we talk to children about the idea of capitalism in its Mm. relationship to beauty standards in a way that they can understand you know that's not my 20 minutes (laughs) on capitalism and burn it down you know (laughs) which i could give but i don't know that that would be relevant in that situation (laughs) yeah uh one thing that i will say that i appreciate about like this kind of moment in history is that my kids don't see very many ads. Um, Like when we're watching TV, Mm. it's usually something like Netflix where there aren't ads on it. So my kids haven't like, of course, when we're walking around, there'll be some, but they, they don't see like the, the, the toy commercials and this, that, and the other. Um, So like, I know the other day I was at my mm -hmm. friend's house and he was watching like actual TV and it was very jarring. (laughs) I was like, Oh, I know, right? Yeah. Um, But of course that, it doesn't eliminate it, but um, at least so far we haven't had to deal with the, you know, I want every single toy I see on TV. Yeah. Uh, It's, I, I think part of that is um, a lot of uh, people and I, I, I am totally guilty of this, um, aren't (laughs) really comfortable with having money conversations with their kids and like mm. my eldest is seven and I'm still like not a hundred percent sure how much I should be having money conversations uh, with it, like what kind and all that. Um, and yeah, it's something I'm not comfortable with. So, and that kind of ties into yeah. the capitalism because to understand mm. why people would, you know, like sell things to you and make you feel bad, you have to understand, well, you need money for this, you know, money allows you to do this. Mm-hmm. So it's lo- lots of mm-hmm. conversations. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. totally true because I, I remember being at an age, like when I was, oh, my, so my father passed away when I was like oh. 14 and around. So around that time, I think my, my mother started to depend yeah. on me a lot more and maybe put something, you know, and she was sort yeah. of, uh, not to fault her at all, but you know, she was sort of like navigating those waters and figuring out, um, you know, how, how much to tell me and not tell me. And, you know, and, and I remember being aware that we like, be, because of whatever, whether her telling me things or just, you know, being older and sort of aware, like being aware that we we're having money problems and being very like, Oh, should I not get a cookie at lunch? Because we, and my mm-hmm. mom was like, I don't want you to worry about like not getting a cookie at lunch mm-hmm. because we, you know, I don't want that burden to be on you. So I can totally understand. Yeah. Um, I think there's again, like some kind of balance between like not burdening our mm-hmm. kids right. with the idea, but understanding like, Hey, like for example, like my, my parents, I used to have a little bank that had three sections. I grew up in a a (laughs) Christian household. So like one section was my spending money. One section was my saving money. And one section was my tithe. I love that. Um, Like, and so I had, and so I had to put, you know, I had to divide up my allowance that I got every week for doing chores uh, into, into those things. And so like, there are definitely ways to help kids understand um, money without like, burdening yeah, them or yeah. giving them too much you know but it's again mm-hmm. it's all a little bit of uh yeah. balance and um i keep saying that but everything's a balance i can't help it 
Yeah, I really, I really liked yeah. it, and I also really liked the idea. You know, people have different feelings about oh, yeah, hormones yeah. and things like yeah. that, but um, you know, but I also like the idea of I. I saw something recently that I thought was really cute. It was a mom who had put up like job postings in her house that was like dishwasher needed, like this much money per week or like laundry person needed (laughs) this much money. Um, And so the kids got to kind of choose their chores uh, and like apply for the jobs. And it was also like practical experience of like, yeah. You know, like this is what a job, and I thought that was really cute. But I like the idea of doing yeah. some, you know, the idea of like you do work and then you get yeah, money yeah, for, yeah. for the work um, is also giving kids some practical yeah, yeah. I- idea of why it's not just like it's it's Tuesday you get handed money right. now. Um, I wish <laughs> uh, I would like that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but anyway, uh, uh, Kaylee, did you have anything to add to the idea of? Uh, yeah talking to kids about capitalism uh, I haven't done a lot of that with my daughter because she's so young um, mm-hmm. but what we do kind of on accident because I guess we're a very uh, anti-capitalist family here but <laughs> <laughs> is that um, she I we started watching her like with YouTube videos to expose her to TV it's as opposed to like large chunks of TV so I yeah we watch little Sesame Street videos on YouTube mm-hmm. and there are ads still on YouTube. So whenever an ad comes on, we always are like, Oh no, not an ad. We don't like ads. <laughs> <laughs> really cute because now every time an ad comes on TV, she, she turns around and goes, we don't like ads. <laughs> um, I love, I love when kids mimic. It's so fun. <laughs> so she, she already knows what an ad, what an ad is versus like a video. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my kids do as well. Like my, my three year old does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very cute. Those obnoxious wow. things that are interrupting what I want. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, so I think as he gets older, I'm going to start to be like, oh, like, what are they trying to sell there? Like, kind of getting mm-hmm. asking her what she understands yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Because I think that yeah. they're are smart, right? And they'll understand they're like, oh, but they want me to buy that Lego or like they want me to buy this beauty product or whatever. Then as she gets older, then explaining more about like, um, you know, the, this company wants you to buy this product. Uh, how do you feel when you watch that? Like, what, what is it like for you? Like trying to, just to get their yeah. feedback and then kind of go from there. Right. That was like, uh, yesterday. And I mean, there's so many things that go into taking apart ads. Right. But yesterday we were, uh, my wife and I were at Michael's uh, craft store, um, to look for a present for our niece who's turning six, just turned six on Valentine's day. And, uh, there were, you know, like science and rocks and they're all blue and they have boys on yeah. them. And then it was like, you know, and then it was like nail polish and it was pink and had mm. curl and we're like nail polish, you know, workshop or whatever. And we're like, what, why can't the science one have a girl? Yeah. On it? Yeah. Like why it, but it was just so like, so jarring. They were right next to each other. And we were just like, Bleh. yeah. Um, all of our, most of our shopping experiences apparently ended up <laughs> just going Bleh, simultaneously. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that it's, you know, it's so, I, th- I think that a lot of times we, and especially there's this mentality of putting TV on to like, sort of like, oh God, I need to get something done. Like, I'm just going to put the TV on, right. uh, for kids. And I think we're getting away from that a lot as a society now. Um, I know like when we, 
uh, I went to the twins checkup with the mother and they actually ask now at yeah. the doctor how much screen time her kids getting, yeah, exactly. um, which I thought was really interesting, but, uh, but they, you know, this idea of just critically looking at whether it's the media itself or the commercials and saying like, Hey, like, that's interesting. Why do you think, you know, 